Hey, it's the good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit reminding you that nobody Patreons like we Patreon. So join us at C4FAP and go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and sign up at a level of your choosing. There's various tiers with various goodies for you. Somebody, Something that everyone gets at any level is you get to be a part of our Slack channel community. And you get early and ad-free access to all our episodes. But wait, there's more. So go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and check out all we have to offer. We urge you, sign up today. Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Samuel Satin. He is here to promote his Kickstarter Unico Awakening. Now, this is a 172-page manga. This is an international Kickstarter campaign that is currently underway. The campaign ends on June 2nd. It already has reached its goal in the first 24 hours. Samuel, two questions. First off, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, a little, a little, a little tired, but I'm doing well. It's been a, it's been a long but wonderful week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, that's right. Because um, the Kickstarter started on Monday. This past it Monday. did. Yeah, Monday bright and early, uh, nine a.m. PST. Um, and it's been, I mean, and again, incredibly grateful, and I mean, it's incredibly exciting. But it's just been a lot. Of, <laughs> it's been a lot of, um, a lot of work this past week, and a lot of, uh, a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And then second. Um, I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask you this before we started the interview. Did I pronounce the Kickstarter's title correctly? You did. Unico Awakening. Yes, absolutely. That was perfect. All right. Now, listeners, I'm just going to go over um, Samuel's his- work history. You know his comics, and he's written a couple books. And Samuel, again, please feel free to add anything. Correct me um, if you want to talk about stuff. That's fine too. Okay. Cool. So I'm going to start off. You wrote a book back in 2013 from Dark Coast Press, The League of Somebodies. Is that correct? That is correct. It was my first uh, prose book. It was a, you know, completely all words. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, very, my, definitely my first book in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to, sorry, off the cuff, I want to add something because when I was doing some little bit of the research, because I... Um, I think I was trying to do some, um, part of my research is like to listen to um, previous interviews that creators, like if you've done, you know, done interviews in the past. I came across your channel and it had the League of Somebody's trailer. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) It, It was funny. It's like, yeah, Samuel writing a book. Yeah, that's great <laughs> yeah we i made that myself with the help of some friends and it was, it was the first thing that i ever tried to do my first guerrilla marketing campaign i guess you would call it and uh yeah it was kind of like the fact that people were supposed to be really surprised that i was actually writing a book at all and that was the that was the whole, that was the joke of it um yeah that was the first thing i've ever done like that uh-huh. uh, quite a while back but so listeners if you guys get a chance check out that that two-minute trailer of, to pro, of the promoting of the League of Somebodies. It, it's, it's, it's funny. It is hilarious. I'm, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm sorry, Samuel. So I'm, no I'm going to continue on. And then um, 
um, also to I know you were wrote some um, like graphic novels and comics as well. Um, one of the comics that you wrote was Legend from Z, the publisher Z2 that came out in 2016. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So that was uh, my first published comic. Came out with uh, from from Z2 Comics in 2016. That was Legend. And it was kind of a we used to pitch it as uh, The Walking Dead meets Watership Down. Is oh kind God. of the way that it used to go, and uh -huh. we and it's it's still unfinished as of today, but half the series has been completed, um, mm -hmm. and that's still, from what I understand, it's still available. Um, but oh. that was my first comic, yeah. And then from there on, I went to work on a lot of more comic projects, mm -hmm. uh, and the rest is pieces here, yeah. And then your next comic project, one of your other comics projects, and I'm going to try to pronounce the title correctly, mm -hmm. Bez Camp. That's right from Oni Press that came out in 2019. Mm -hmm. And then I also saw that um, you also wrote something called Adventure Quest. Is that a comic or a prose novel? So Adventure, so yeah, Best Camp came out um, from uh, from Oni Comics, the Oni Lion Forge in 2019. It's with um, a person I still collaborate with who I, uh, whose work I really love named uh, Rye Hickman. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they and me, we're, we're working on a book called uh, Buzzy that's gonna be coming out next year from Little Brown from Young Readers. Which is kind of neat. It's the same collaborative team, mm -hmm. and it was a kind of a, a dystopian sci-fi story about a, a place where a place where language had been changed because books had been banned for centuries. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, what, that's what Best Camp is about. And then uh, Adventure Quest was actually a serialized novel that I pioneered. That I kind of um, started to put out in tapas mm -hmm. uh, when they were tap tapastic, mm -hmm. uh, and so it was in, with some sections illustrated by um, another friend of mine, actually, who's print appears in Unico Awakening, uh, Katie Longeway. Oh, uh, and so it's like, you know, so she, she did some of the illustrations for um, Adventure Quest. And that one is, um, it's uh, about a young woman who is inside a simulation to combat um, a form of depression. And it's kind of a fantasy world simulation in order to kind of like combat this, uh, mm -hmm. these, these inner, this inner turmoil. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's those two. Okay. And then um, also, um, also too, that you, in 2020, it came out in 2020, mm -hmm. you adapted the Academy Award nominated cartoon, Wolf Walkers. Um, and that came out from um, li um, the publisher Little Brown, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, Little Brown for Young Readers. Um, so yeah, that's uh, based off of uh, the film Wolf Walkers, uh, created by Tark Cartoon Saloon, mm -hmm. and um, and made by uh, the creators Tom Moore and uh, oh, and also the other uh, it's Tom Moore and oh, I, why have I forgotten his name? It's right on the tip of my tongue. It should be on the front of the book somewhere. No, yeah, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was able to adapt that to a graphic novel format. And that was an incredible experience. And I'm still working on some things with those folks at the moment too. So in the future, uh, you'll, you'll likely hear more about that. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was a really neat experience adapting um, such a gorgeous film to graphic novel format. Okay. And then, um, and then your, your next, no, correct me if I'm wrong. The, <laughs> You also, now this just came out recently in April of this year, Crunchyroll Essential Animated Fan Favorite Memorable Masterpieces and Cult Classics. And it came, um, and this is a prose novel, correct? 
from running this, yeah this is a non-fiction cultural criticism novel it's basically it's a history of anime and different 50 different anime that you should watch i co-wrote it with my uh, colleague patrick macias mm -hmm. and uh and um and he's he he knows a lot of tons and tons about the history of anime and uh we worked on it together and right now it's going to i think it got delayed a little bit because it has to have some things worked out in it but it's coming out soon Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, it's very cool. We're very proud of it. We get to kind of, we, got, we basically got to kind of, you know, geek out about, you know, old anime for, <laughs> for, for, for a bunch of pages. And we got some really great contributors on board as well from, mm -hmm. uh, to help us out. People like uh, Deb Aoki uh, gave a, contributed an essay. Mm -hmm. uh, we had some really other, some other fresh voices as well that really came in and helped. And um, so, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to see that soon. Okay. Um, this is off the cuff question, and I am joking when I'm asking this question. <laughs> when you guys wrote, the, when you guys had a contract with Running Press, did you guys put in there, hey, you know, we need to go to Japan, you know, for at least a week or two. <laughs> you know, you know, we well, need to be immersed in the anime culture. <laughs> you know? I wish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that would be the, that'd be the dream. Well, actually, Patrick lives in Tokyo, mm -hmm. so Patrick actually lives in Tokyo, and. I was actually in Japan over the over all of April. Yeah, oh, okay. the Unico Awakening campaign. So I got there just and I got there anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I got I got to be immersed. <laughs> all right, and then you have a you have um, a book coming out a, a book coming out, and it's coming out I believe in twenty twenty four from the Imprint Macmillan um, Publishing. Hmm. Um, Side quest: The visual history of role playing games. And it's with artists, um, Steins? Steins, 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 okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so that one is, uh, so yeah, to, to, um, one of, somebody joked, uh, a friend of mine joked that like basically I'm covering all, I'm earning my nerd bones, which is like, you know, we have the anime on one end and then I'm also working with uh, tabletop role-playing games. And yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm a long time, you know, player of uh, tabletop role-playing games and so I, um, a while back, I decided I wanted to try to pitch a, a book of nonfiction, a book about the history, a graphic novel about the history of role-playing games. And um, I started working with my um, colleague Steens on it, and we put together a uh, a pitch, and we finished the book. And actually, the book now is being edited. It's all penciled mm -hmm. out, but um, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest because I've I've never played role-playing games. Mm -hmm. I've, always been tempted but i i i i don't have the attention span you know but i'm i'm gonna but i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be interested to read this book because i want to see the history of how it evolved and yeah yeah a lot a lot, a lot of see the thing is about it it's actually really for me i think that's actually I mean, you don't have to play them to be interested in what they are you know mm -hmm. it's like it's like and i and actually i understand that because um I'm a little bit more like that with video games, to be mm -hmm. honest. Like, I don't have the uh, ability to spend too much time on a game, but I like watching them. Yeah. yeah. I like watching them be played, and I'm interested in them, but I yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself like a hardcore uh, gamer, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's totally, like, a, you know, legitimate way to look at something like that. Like, yeah, this is interesting. I want to play it, but I find it interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um... Did I miss anything? No, that's fantastic. That's thank you very much. And then I'm going to ask: Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to promote anything right now before I move on or anything? 
Oh, well, I mean, if, uh, if, we're, if we're promoting, I will say, please support Unico Awakening on Kickstarter. <laughs> please continue to pledge for exclusive amazing awards from amazing artists and, um, and help us uh, continue to grow this project. <laughs> that's what I would say for promotion um, because that's, that's all that's in the forefront of my mind right now. It's Unico Awakening. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, um, before I start getting into the interview, you know, I want to give a big shout out to Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, thank you very much. Thank you for asking Comics for Fun and Profit to interview Samuel. And thank you for setting up this interview. Again, Hannah, thank you very much. Samuel, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that? No, let's just, well, I would like to, I'll endorse that. I'll say thanks to, like, Hannah is awesome, and so is David Hyde, and all yeah. Superman Promotions, mm -hmm. and uh, shout out to all those amazing people over there, because they're the best. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, too, um, I just want to let listeners know, you know, I got, you know, my information um, from Samuel website, samuelsatin.com, also, of course, from Wikipedia, and also, too, I also want to um, point out that I also got some information um, from the Comics Beat article, um, interview with Samuel Satin talks Unico Awakening. Um, that article came out on May 5th, um, 2022. Now, Samuel, where can listeners follow you on social media? Um, you can follow me at Samuel Satin, S-A-M-U-E-L-S-A-T-T-I-N mm -hmm. um, on Twitter. And uh, the same for Instagram as well. Um, I think uh, that's pretty much the most places you're going to find me. But also, please reach out um, via con uh, the contact form on my website as well if you'd like to get in touch with me directly. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to ask um, just a little bit of your origin um, story. Where did you grow up? I grew up outside of Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. So... Um, in a place called well first it was called aurora and then it became yeah. it became centennial um but basically south of i guess to say south a little south of denver about 15 minutes mm -hmm. and um when this is before denver was very uh was what it is today which mm -hmm. is like uh super you know which is like we're, we're all we're legal marijuana and stuff like that <laughs> it's, a little, it's, a little, it's a little different back in the early 80s where it was kind of a a little, little more of a, of a cowboy town, <laughs> so <laughs> just like so. Um, but yeah, so I grew up there, mm -hmm. oh. and then yeah, and then I, um, my family is all from the East Coast. They're all from Massachusetts and New York. Uh, okay, all right. And then, what was or were your first comics or Sunday comics that you read? Honestly, my first, my first comics. Um, what really got me excited about comics when I was young is I remember I read, uh, I read, I went, I got, a, I went to a Renaissance festival uh, when I was maybe mm -hmm. ten, yeah, and I picked, and I picked up a bunch of um, issues of ElfQuest, oh. and um, mm -hmm. and this was when they were still self-publishing too, so they, you know, it's kind of the the, the big kind of yeah. um, larger larger volume, the larger uh, issues, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with with the comics. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then I, I also was reading Bone at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got, um, and then probably what solidified me like to get to like real, real like to go to the comic shops and get into comics was probably actually the image revival of the 90s. Yes. Where like, you know, where you had like the Max and Spawn and, mm -hmm. yeah. and all that different stuff. So I was collecting all of those and also X-Men, all the X, I was super into X-Men and Superman and Batman. So I got yeah. really into superhero comics and, mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the way that I imprinted on them. 
Um, but but that, that's what, and then but then like also like yeah, that's that's how I got into comics initially. Mm-hmm. And then um, let's see, um, Drew Comics for Fun and Profit um, co-host submitted this question mm-hmm. um, because like you mentioned that uni starts to pick up Spawn, X Men. What was your first comic shop that you went to buy these? Mile High Comics in, 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 in uh, Mile High Comics, and I think it was in Aurora, Colorado. So that's where I used to go. Yeah, yeah Mile High Comics. So was that the? I'm just asking because was it the main store or did they have like small? Like was there? So a at the time, it was a much smaller store. Oh, that's right. It's really big now, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, good. it's really big now. And that's right. So when I was going there, it was not. It was a small little place in the strip mall. Oh. Right, it was a tiny little place, and so that's like you know, I, I remember seeing them at a um, recent convention. Uh-huh. They had this huge table at the convention and stuff like that, and, and then, I, then I was like looking at, I went online and looked at the store. I'm like, oh my god, it's huge! Yeah. No, when I, when I was younger, it was a tiny little, <laughs> tiny little shop. Um, and so they, they I, I don't know when they expanded, but that mm-hmm. wasn't that was that was that was not my time. It was a lot earlier. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I'm just impressed because, um, you know, just because I remember, um, sorry, I'm kind of going off the track, but I remember, No, please, please. Um, you know, when I was reading comics in, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I remember seeing Mile High Comics, um, a, Mile, a Mile, Mile High Comics ad in Marvel Comics going, Hey, you can buy this X Men comics. You know these old issues for two bucks, three bucks. Right. You know, and I ordered some back issues from them. <laughs> we used to go. We used to go thumb through their boxes because they would have their they would have their rack at the front with all the new comics, and then they would have their boxes and boxes and boxes in the back on the, on the off to the side, and we go and thumb through them and find uh, things that we wanted. Um, yeah, but they were they were they were yeah they were definitely a collector spot back then too, but they were just smaller. I think I yeah, think they got bigger and bigger and bigger as yeah. time went on. Oh my god! Yeah. So I'm I'm off the cuff question. Did you like spend like at least an hour in that store trying to look for back issue oh, stuff? Yeah. We were all there. That was that was we we spent so much time at the comic shop mm-hmm. at LA Comics. We would just go by and just like. You know, we would search for like, yeah, we search for back issues and we buy like things that were kind of like signed or weird. And also they had like some like, you know, and again, this was during the, the first image boom. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like you had like all of these kind of uh, new superhero comics. Yes. So every, everybody's obsession, at least in my age group, was Spawn and getting on the mm-hmm. Spawn. The yeah. Spawn the rare spawns and making sure you had number one and number four. And then that was a big thing because it's the first appearance of Vi- Violator. And, uh-huh. um, yeah. and so you wanted, like, you wanted like all these different things. And like, and then I got into, I got really into Wolverine too at one point. So I started getting all these, uh, searching their, their back bins for all these different old Wolverine comics. And, yes. um, and yeah, I would just, we, we would spend way, we spend a lot of time in my life comics growing up. Yep. It was there in a place called uh, Tactics, which was a, a gaming shop. So mm-hmm. there were two places we used to basically spend time in, and those, that was one of the two. Um, now I'm going to ask you, um, um, since the focus is going to be on the um, um, Unico um, Kickstarter, do you remember your first manga that you read? My first manga that I read was likely, so the thing is at first I was actually, because like, you know, uh, growing up in, in Colorado, we had, we ended up having um, access to some anime. 
that oh. we would go and we get a lot of so for, I would go to Suncoast Video in the mall. And yes, then, yeah. Um, or I would go to uh, you know you there are some things in the blockbuster and stuff like that, or and and you go yeah. get some films. So that was my first. My, I was actually first introduced via to anything that was um, you know Japan. Yes. Based mm-hmm. Through through anime, mm-hmm. and then I started reading more actual manga probably in college. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I first yeah. got to college, um, and so I would think that my first one was probably my first full big read of Akira. Oh, was the okay. first big the first big read, and then um, and then I started. And then from there, it's all big blur. I can't. I can't no, no, yeah, because- yeah. I'm trying to think about like. Because I didn't start young with manga because now it's actually interesting. Like um, you see now, like it's, I'm actually kind of almost jealous in a way because there's so many, uh, you know, there's so much available now. Yes. Um, but when I was growing up, there really wasn't anything around. It's, it was hard to get manga. Yeah. Um, and so like animated was a little bit easier, but yeah. it was still hard. <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then like, you know, but getting the actual like books mm-hmm. was, was not an easy feat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say, that's right, because when you mentioned Suncoast videos, like, that's right, because our Suncoast, and, you know, because since I live in Hawaii, I kept thinking, our Suncoast had a small little section, of a manga section, and I just thought it was just, uh, I just, I just automatically assume it's, oh, we're in Hawaii, it's, but right. that's pretty smart of Suncoast to do, you know, an anime, you know, section up in, on the mainland, and it's also smart of them to do at least bring out some, some manga books that would probably be, um, that would um, interest um, the mainland audience. Probably, I don't know, maybe like Gundam sure. or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah and, and also like they had like I think that you know when you're um, you know it's kind of a you know when you're in Hawaii or you're mm-hmm. in um, the Bay Area, yeah. for example where I live now, that's where mm-hmm. I, live. I live in Oakland, California, but like um, now you can see how like, if you lived, if you grew up in like the Bay Area or you grew mm-hmm. up in Hawaii, you might have more access to manga, right? right but yeah. I mean, like in Colorado, the fact that we had any anime at all was kind of a small miracle, right? So yeah, we, yeah. We, were, we, were able, it, we got obsessed, we became absolutely obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, I don't think there, it was harder, they, what I would, what, the only ways that I would really find manga was if they would be printed by Dark Horse. Yeah, um, or oh, you know, or and they yes. would have like things like you would you could go and you could get some. They would actually sometimes they would print them in like floppy issue format. Yes, and so we get that. I'd be like, so cool. Yeah, but, like that was all we, that was all we really had access to. Yes, um, and yeah. So so basically, at one point when I got to college, I found had access to more of it. So I just started reading everything I possibly mm-hmm. could. <laughs> so just like yeah, that, that that was kind of the way that I did it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. And then, sorry, I'm going to continue on because oh, we're going to circle around back to the manga and all sure. their genres. Sure. It's, sure. it's incredible during genres. But anyway, um, so how did your journey um, started in, you know, writing prose novels and working in comics? So I've always, I guess the thing is about me is that um, I'm a little odd in that I really do I mean, like, I guess it's not odd. I guess it just sounds a little bit um, vague when I say, like, uh, I read everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to read everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's nothing that I don't, like, there's no genre that I don't think is interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely no medium that I think don't think is interesting. Um, so I, I grew up reading books. I grew yeah. up just a huge reader of um, 
I read mostly fantasy books growing up. I was a huge like fantasy book reader, mm-hmm. but I just like became, um, it's, and then I got in sci-fi and stuff like that. But, uh, and then, um, but then when I got into comics, I just, uh, I knew also, they, they also had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was when I started to really decide that I wanted to start trying to become a writer, mm-hmm. um, I knew that I wanted to work in both. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I, I loved books, but I thought that comics were almost more interesting than books. Yeah. Um, in which there's like, you know, I always say like if, if I have a percent, if I have a percentile, if I have like, mm-hmm. if there's like a percentile pie graph for uh-huh. how much of me loves comics and how much of me loves books, it's probably 51% comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which is a little bit more because I think they're just so fascinating the way they can do so many incredible things with narrative. So that's like basically, I, I, I started writing prose, but I knew that I wanted to get into comics Mm -hmm. and i so i started to stake out some things in my life that brought me there um and also my first book even though it was kind of experimental book and kind of all over the place it tied into comics so league of amaze was all about superheroes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and so i really wanted to go in the direction of like working in that that's so cool um that's so cool um now i'm i'm gonna start talking to you about unicole um, sure. Awakening Kickstart. Now, before I start, sorry, listeners, you're going to have to hear me kind of talk about, just to give a little brief definition what a manga is for some for some new listeners. And Samuel, please correct me anytime or just add something. Sure. So, you know, I just want to let listeners know that manga is, you know, is, for, for me, it's kind of a blind spot in my reading habits. Um, you know, and, and this, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'll be honest, I've never heard of um unico i've never heard of this series and and again i'm going to touch upon a little bit of how wide a genre of manga you know mangas there is the genres they cover so i'm going to be learning from samuel about this character um please forgive me um my pronunciation of japanese names and words will be off so please forgive me on that even though you know, I'm Asian, half Japanese. I still mispronounce Japanese words. So now for someone who's new to manga, these are Japanese comics or graphic novels that are, uh, most of them are digest sides and are read from right to left. Most of them are in black and white and the genre ranges. I mean, I have to whittle it down, but some of them range from action, adventure, of course, fantasies, romance, horror. And I'm also, this is going to be the fascinating part, business and commerce and i can i can't vouch for that because when i took a japanese history course in college one of our reading requirements was some type of manga book if i you know just mm-hmm. to talk about you know the business side and everything and i i was little yeah i couldn't believe that i was reading a manga book for a college course oh yeah you know um now um and um and i know um there were at least um at least a couple of uh, actually you know i know back in the 80s um they you know manga was slowly introduced in a comic book format as samuel mentioned you know um by you know the dark horse um did do this in the 90s um i know um like i said back in the 80s i know they did blade of the immortal my the Psy girl from eclipse comics and of course Lone Wolf and Cub by Dark Horse. 
yeah, that was one of the first, um, Lone Wolf and Cub, I think, was the first like real dark horse um, dig into, yes. into, into into manga, and I which I didn't actually even figure out until a little bit later on, like when I was in college and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, and no, it's it, the the things that you're talking about. It's really it's really interesting to talk about for me because like um, so for, as far as I look at it, like manga, it's just comics. It's Japanese comics, right? Yes. So it's like manga is basically another word for for comics. But because of the fact that we see them, and so because that they do have such a distinct um, kind of cultural imprint mm-hmm. and they do come from a different country and they in a different culture and they do have their kind of own system they do end up having a real different um kind of they stand out in a different way right yeah uh and yeah and i and i completely agree that in manga you can find any any genre you can think of it exists if you want sports manga if you want cooking manga if you want manga about um yeah, starting a business. If you want manga about, like, you know, uh, whether and there's all kinds of different kinds of romance and and, and erotica and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and you know anything you could think of. It actually, when I was in recently, when I was just in, when I was in Japan to work on the Yumiko Awakening project, mm-hmm. I was actually kind of blown away um, again because I'd seen this before, but I got a little bit more time to dig in this time. Just the sheer size and scale of comic book comic books in japan mm-hmm. like you have like full like you'd be like you know here like you know you have a comic book shop and if you have a store you have a, a, a section small section you know don't i you know uh, that, that that is kind of focused on, on comics mm-hmm. but in japan you'd be like oh you want to go to the you want to go look at manga go to floor three <laughs> it's, yeah. this, it's this huge like huge 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 mm-hmm. um massive like store filled with books and mm-hmm. and like then you know if you want to get one genre the genre can stretch on for for shelves and shelves and shelves and and, and so it's like you know it, there's a lot that's available mm-hmm. um which i think is something that's very unique to mm-hmm. manga and the way that they've set up the system there yes and and sammy i'm going to say correct me if i'm wrong because if i remember correctly um manga is not specify is not um specified to one age group basically pretty much every like everything kids to businessmen are reading oh yeah no that's one of the things i think that people i think that um i think it's hard i've talked about this with quite a few people both here and and also in europe and Mm -hmm. and in japan i think this is a very um it's kind of uh, the 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 state of uh the history of american comics is a little tragic Mm-hmm. Because you have like the idea that in this country, you know, you, there's a reason why you can't find a lot of early um, books from, 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 you know, you know, people are like, well, where are the original pages from, you know, all these early comics? It's like, oh, well, they were, they were trashed yeah. <laughs> right? because they were looked at as kind of like, you know, kids crap, you know, mm-hmm. like in a, in a negative way. And, you know, in Japan, like in certain places in Europe, right? comics are just looked at with more respect. And so you see, and so you see like, you know, not only are they for everybody, but it's not weird mm-hmm. to be reading, like reading comics on the, on, on the subway on the way to work. Yes. And so it's like, you know, people, comics are just a part of life. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. You go to every single uh, every, every single convenience store, every single, like, every single, like you, you'll see like they have a full section of comics Mm-hmm. on the on the shelf you know mm-hmm. and it's like you know so 
it's just it's just more commonplace, I think. So that's why it's and yes, yeah, so you have them for very little kids, you know, you have them for young girls, you have them for young boys, you have them for teenage girls and teenage boys, you have them for adults, you have them for, you know, <laughs> anything you can think of. And then you have the the sections of the genre sections, which split off in a lot of different directions, depending mm-hmm. on what you're what you're what you're looking for. Um, and yeah, I mean, but there there's always there's always some there's something for someone, some category that you can fall into if you want to if you if you feel comfortable doing that. Um, off the cuff question, and I'm kind of joking, and I'm joking on this part. When you went to, did you go to that third floor of the store to see the manga section? Oh yeah, everyone, I, every 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 third floor and every basement and every fourth floor, <laughs> everyone, I, everyone, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in bookstores when I was there. So was yeah. your mind blown when you just thought, "Oh my God, look at all this," you know? It really was. It actually, it, it, my mind was blown, and then I got to be honest with you. Uh, hopefully, this isn't too much of a bummer. I got a little sad because I I, I wish we had something a little bit more closer to that here with books. Yes. Because um, as a person who like I love books of all kinds, like what mm-hmm. I, it's what I love. You know, it just like you know, make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's like you know. The stores there, the bookstores, they're just fantastic. And like, you know, they're filled with like all these different surprises and they have all this, all the displays are really like well, well oriented to mm-hmm. shine the right kind of light on certain books and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, it's very, it's very much like it's, um, and there are a lot of people in these stores that are walking around and looking at all these books and buying books. And, um, I, I mean, some places are, are absolutely mobbed. Like you mm-hmm. cannot even walk around. <laughs> you know, too much. Like you walk around, you're like okay, I'm being assaulted by humans. I need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. Um, it's like you know, but yeah. So it's it, it's incredible, and I, it kind of made me a little bit wistful, saying, "I wish we could just take a little bit of this yeah. and have a little bit of this here, because it'd be nice to be able to go to stores or they're just teeming with books everywhere that people are, and people are always inside them. Like that. That's really to me." That'd be that would be really nice. Yeah, it, it, it is wonderful to see though. If you if you like comics, it's really everybody should go see, you know, the comic shops and and or just the bookstores in Japan. Oh, really oh God, no! Because yeah, my mind would be blown too. Yes, <laughs> and I'll be stuck there for an hour or two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I spent many yes, <laughs> yes, full full days. <laughs> okay, so. Um, this is kind of the perfect segue to um, it going into the um, the Unico um, Kickstarter. So I'm going to ask, um, who is Unico? So Unico is that's a great question, actually. So Unico, well, Unico is created by Osamu Tezuka, who's mm-hmm. considered to be the god of manga and mm-hmm. the father of manga, like basically the person who created modern, who, who paved the way for modern manga and modern anime in japan mm-hmm. uh, so he basically single-handedly started the anime industry so like um and for people in the u.s they usually associate him with astro boy yeah uh, adam tesla mm-hmm. adam and so it's like people know more more about that character but tezuka's um output was absurd and it's and it's and it's you know how prolific it was and unico was a character that was created um uh, particularly in, in, in coordination with Sanrio uh, back in the day. In 19, it came out in 1974 mm-hmm. 
um, originally in comics. Um, in comics form, I was serialized then for two years, mm-hmm. from 1984 to 1976. And um, the character itself himself is a character that is, is, a, is a small, it's a young unicorn, a young male unicorn, mm-hmm. who, uh, whose gift, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. is the ability to inspire beauty and kindness and, mm-hmm. yes. and, and love wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, um, the gods, and one goddess in particular, uh, the goddess of love and beauty, mm-hmm. Venus, mm-hmm. becomes um, envious and enraged by Unico's existence. Mm-hmm. So she, has, she, she wants him to be essentially destroyed. Mm-hmm. So she has one of her, she asks one of her servants to take him across space and time mm-hmm. until, until he forgets everything he was and, you know, wipe his memory completely and leave him in this place called, I think, the Hall, the Hill of Oblivion, I believe, um, or the Hall of Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, you know, the wander in solitude forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is a pretty, pretty rotten, horrible thing to do. And then the, 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 the Venus's servant, the West Wind, mm-hmm. takes pity on Yenigo and spares him from this eternity on, on the Hill of Oblivion mm-hmm. and instead uh, deposits him in different places and kind of like hides him from the gods mm-hmm. as, as, she, as she takes him from era to era throughout, throughout time. Mm-hmm. And, and whenever he must leave an era, she, what, she has to wipe his memory. Oh, because okay. in order to protect him, because whenever he whenever he brings whenever he makes friendships and whenever he helps people, mm-hmm. his power grows and mm-hmm. the gods become aware yes. mm-hmm. of his existence. So then the West Wind has to come and get him again, take his memory away, put him somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so this 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 horrible cycle of just like trying to mm-hmm. bring him from place to place to place, and he never remembers his uh, his past deeds. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's, it's so he, I would say that as a character, he is a a character who, in my mind, represents perseverance, mm-hmm. um, kindness, and yes. and to a certain extent, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, how did you hear about this character? So I've been um, so I I really got into I, I really got into Tezuka's work um, mm-hmm. probably a good probably a good decade, decade and a half ago, uh, mm-hmm. where I really started to really just, uh, just I, 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 one book in particular um, and that I read called M.W., um, they call it Mood in Japan, um, really left a mark on me. It was probably one of his darkest, darkest books, but I, mm-hmm. I started to really, um, I think it's just, it's just a really incredible work. And as far as the cartooning goes in it, um, it's just you could. I think you can learn a lot from that book as a cartoonist, mm-hmm. uh, just reading that book. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it, he just shows off all his stuff in that book. It's just really incredible. So I was really, I, I was a big kind of Tezuka uh, mm-hmm. fan. So I, I started to kind of read all these different, you know, everything I could get my hands on. Yeah. And one of those characters was Unico. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking when I first read it that one of the most amazing things about the character in particular is that. It's a character that I'm just going to turn this off. Okay. Um, it's a character that, you know, though it, it, he is this cute little unicorn, yes. you know, it, it's a very powerful and 
powerful and kind of like it's it, it's 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 very much not My Little Pony in terms of the way that the themes that are. It's, and this is not saying anything bad about My Little Pony. It's more yeah. just saying that it's, it's it's very much like the association one would have mm-hmm. with um, looking at this character and then reading the story. You might have a little bit of whiplash. Mm-hmm. For, reading it uh because it is such a, a powerful and tragic and beautiful story and um and that kind of and and that i remember when i read that for the first time i found that it was really uh quite powerful and i'd also seen some of the animation that i think yes. a, lot, a lot of eight or 80s kids uh mm-hmm. saw uh mm-hmm. which was were these two movies which um <laughs> people talked about um in the tradition of a lot of you know, mid seventies and early eighties. Yeah, these were kids traumatized them. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's very traumatizing. <laughs> it is. It is a very difficult story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would say I'll call it a complex story. Yeah. And so um and so yeah, that's when I would. That's when I probably first heard about it was the animation when I was younger, and mm-hmm. then I started to really kind of get into it when I when I started to become mm-hmm. more interested in Tessica himself and his work. No, and also, I'm going to say the two movies that you referred to, um, I want to say, I think one of them was The Fantastic Adventures of Unico. That's right. And Unico in the Island of Magic, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and they're both phenomenally good, both phenomenally interesting movies. The, the second one in particular, uh, a lot of people have called um, Horror for Kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit of Nightmare Fuel. Um, it's, it's a wonderful film, but it's just, there's, there's, there's some very, there's some very, there's some parts in it that are, that, that, that will surprise you. Yeah. Um, I think for, for, for being, again, for having this, uh, this little, you know, sweet unicorn as the main character and then you get in, you're like, oh, this is a little bit more, <laughs> this is a little bit more chew on than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- I'm, I, I'm going to say, I, 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 under, I understand. No, I, I do. Um, yeah. Oh, um, because I, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think because I've probably seen, because I've probably seen some of these, not, not the Unigo um, cartoons, but I, I'm sure I've seen some, some Japanese cart, you know, animation. Well, oh, okay. We, we're going a little dark here, you know, but PG, you know. <laughs> well, you, even there's a, I think a lot of, I think, um, I was actually talking to one of the, the, the guest artists on one of the future artists for the campaign, Jigo Mazuno. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this and we we're talking about how in the mid seventies and early eighties in particular, early mid eighties, you had a lot of these films that would come out um, and sometimes they would be in, in collaboration with Japanese studios. Like you mm-hmm. have like the last unicorn, mm-hmm. uh, which was in a collaboration with the Jap- Japanese studio, little Nemo, the dream master. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Little Nemo Slumberland, is that what it's called? Something, yeah. Something like that. Um, That was in in collaboration with the Japanese studio. And then there were um, films that were just, um, you know, that were were kind of a little bit in that category, like The NeverEnding Story or Mm -hmm. Dark Crystal, or, you know, you can think about The Secret of Nim as being in that category. And Mm -hmm. films that are, you know, animated or for kids um, have these very complex and heavy themes that, you know, you might remember from that period and, and watch them again and be like, oh my God, I watched this when I was six. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> so it's like, and Unico definitely falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Of like it's one of those, one of those, those movies you watch them and you're like, wow. <laughs> I can't believe that I saw this as a, as a young child. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm just saying, but, and, and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. And this is off the cuff observation is that, it sounded like um, 
some of these Japanese creators, and even when they did the animation, is that they added a little bit more sophistication to their story, that they didn't dumb it down to kids. You know, they kind of figured, you know, because not only kids are going to be watching this, but some adults too, you know, and, you know, yeah. Well, I, I think that's a, that's a measure of like, you know, you see, um, this is actually why I think that Tezuka himself is so interesting and like what he did with, with stories. So, you know, you see like in America, we have the tradition of like the Disneyfication, the happy yes. ending yes. Uh, story. So you take these fables that were actually pretty grim mm-hmm. when they, when they began, right? With the, like, you know, the story of Pinocchio, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, all these stories are actually fairly uh, uh, grim in certain ways. And then Disney kind of turns them into these 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 kind of um, happy ending stories where things yes. are okay and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very American thing to do, the mm-hmm. happy ending, yeah. right? As opposed to, I think that when you look at a lot of Japanese films and a lot of Japanese animation, they're far more comfortable with the idea of complexity and yes. you know. It, it, so so Tezuka himself, for example, if you look at one of his um, most famous creations worldwide you know, Tetsuo and Adam, Astro Boy, mm-hmm. you know, you see essentially the story of Pinocchio. You see mm-hmm. this boy that was built from, by, by a, by a, uh, uh, somebody who's a, some sort of engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Who creates this, 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 this artificial boy mm-hmm. um, who will never be a real, who wants to, who wants to be a real boy. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's Astro Boy. But in Astro Boy, as opposed to in, in, in you know, the Disney version of Pinocchio, Astro Boy, um, when the, his creator, who created him to replace his dead son, who mm-hmm. got killed in a car accident, um, when, he, when he creates him and he realizes he will not grow into a real boy, mm-hmm. he sells him into servitude. And he essentially, you know, turns into this maniacal, obsessed, narcissistic man and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and does the most horrible thing one can do to, 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 to someone, which is essentially you know, banish them from your life and, 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 so, and again, sell them. I think he sells them to the circus mm-hmm. and like, it's like, you know, so it's like, uh, and, and then like eventually he, he's found by someone who's more, um, by a more um, uh, kind of generous person who helps him and, you know, uh, and, and, and brings him to the next, um, and allows him to become the hero that he becomes. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but the story is far more, I think, um, like when you look at Tessica's work, he was, seems to be a lot more com- he, he really did look at humans and think that humans are complex and they have some bad they have they, human beings yeah. can be tough they can be awful sometimes and we shouldn't we shouldn't shy away from that because yeah. kids are going to see that too yeah. and and i think that you know one thing that and maybe it's changing here i'm not quite sure but i definitely think the classic thing in the united states is to like take it's to hide you know to, to, to cover the eye cover your kids eyes and be like you shouldn't see that don't look at yeah. that you know which I think can lead to problems for, for kids later. And it's also why I think a lot of people grew up and they saw, started to see manga and anime and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they started to get really into it. So like, wow, these stories are, they, they don't talk down to me. They're kind of yes. complex, you know? So, um, yeah. But that's a very good observation about manga because now, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off the cuff, but- Sure, no, please. Because the thing is, because, you know, we've been, because all of us have been hearing that Manga in the United States has been, you know, has been become very popular over the last few years. That's right. But like you said, that's a very good observation of if, you know, kids and teenagers are going, wow, this is speaking to me. That's right. You know, because the, the stories are the stories. I mean, 
you know, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of stories in that come out of Japan and, and um, they're very, I mean, like, you know, I was talking, some people say they're, they're such strange stories, such wild stories, such interesting stories. And I think that that's true. Uh, I think that one of the things is that, you know, we are, we, you know, in the United States for, for good and for bad, uh, mm-hmm. we're far more, we like to streamline our stories a little bit more, you know, yeah. like they're a little bit easier to kind of digest mm-hmm. where when you read, like, you know, I, my, one of the common things I hear when people start first reading manga or first watching anime and they're like, these stories are crazy. Mm-hmm. Said, oh my God, these stories are wild. What is this? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's because they're pushing some boundaries, you know, yeah. narratively and they're not like, they're not fitting into the um, the same categories that we're fitting into here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that does appeal to people. And then the, the, the complexity and the fact that when you are a teen mm-hmm. and you're reading stuff, you know, and you're looking at stuff, they, I think that we don't, we want to pretend sometimes like people who are, who are teenagers here and, and even, you know, tweens and stuff like that aren't reading and aren't looking at things that are, they aren't, they, you know, they're only going to watch things and read things that are for, they're supposed to be for their age group. Yes, yeah. Um, but that's, that, that never happens. I saw Fist of the North Star when I was 14. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's, and it's like, you know, I was watching people's heads explode on a screen and that was the coolest thing in the world for me when I was 14, you know? Yeah. That's what I, but in a way, I wanted to watch that. Yeah. Because it was just like one of those things that was just like, oh, well, this is, this is, you know, um, this is compelling in its own way. And I think that, one of the issues is yes, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of manga does not um, does not keep that mm-hmm. boundary in place. I mean, there are of course some boundaries, but oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, but it's but it's like you know, at the same time, like the idea of complex stories, complex world. Yes, bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and that's okay for 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 kids to consume. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think they're I think that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but that's a that's a very good, you know, um, that's a like I said, that's a very good observation, because, yeah. So, um, so I'm going to jump to this one question. Sure, sure, jump sure. Ahead. So I know this is an international Kickstarter. So yes. I'm going to ask you, um, because you know, um, because we talked about the popularity of manga, um you know um tetsuka you know he was looking you know when he created and wrote stories they were complex Mm -hmm. you know how popular is unico around the world do you know by any chance because yeah it's um unico around the world i would say that uh it depends on where you go um, in Japan, people will definitely know who Unico is. Um, it's kind of whenever you go into a, one of those big bookstores I was talking about, or any bookstore uh, that has comics in them, has manga, uh, there's always a huge section devoted to Tezuka books. And so you have everything mm-hmm. there that you could possibly think of. And Unico is always there. And mm-hmm. uh, Unico just exists as a part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, in the US, it's definitely more niche. You oh. find people who. Um, I think you'll, if you go around, you poke around uh, Twitter and see some of the reactions to this this Kickstarter, you see there are a lot of people who just love the fact that this is actually happening mm-hmm. because it's one of those characters that almost feels like, um, you know, there's a club that knows yeah, about yes. this character, you know, yeah. and it's mostly a bunch of bunch of kids who, bunch of people who were kids in the 80s who saw these films mm-hmm. and were 
you know, and, and fell in love with them. Mm-hmm. and fell in love with the character. Um, and then from what I understand in France and in parts of Europe, Tezuka work is a lot more, uh, is a lot more known and appreciated and loved, like, especially in France. And so in mm-hmm. France, they know more about, uh, Unico and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it depends on where you are in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say in the U.S., people have seen the character and they recognize it. They don't necessarily know the story. And it's actually one of our our hopes is that with this, we'll actually be creating a new story for Unico. We also want to bring, hopefully, a a nice new reprint of the original so people can actually read it and people can actually get into it. Because um, right now there's a digital copy that's available um, that you can buy, but there's no, uh, but the print editions have gone out of print. So we're really hoping to be able to um, use this as a catalyst to get a, get some, get it reprinted very professionally. Um, off the cuff question. Mm-hmm. Um, how, and I'm being serious, you know, sure. were you very surprised when you guys reached your goal literally in 24 hours and like around the world, not just like you said in, in the U.S., there's a like there's an there's like a, a niche group here, but were you blown away by the response? I'm just trying to ask. Completely, you. completely blown away by the response, um, and just in super, just really, really grateful yeah. and and happy to see and and relieved and happy and. Um, you know, the, this is my first Kickstarter ever. I'd never done one before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was uh, feeling, um, to be perfectly frank, pretty uh, pretty on the verge of puking all day <laughs> as we started. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, my stomach was roiling as I was, and I refused to look at the actual numbers because I didn't want to look at the actual page. I was too scared to look at it myself. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. And so I just was just, concentrating on doing the things that I was supposed to do to get the word out um, mm-hmm. with uh, super fan promotions. Which I think and, um, and then when we reached it, it was just this feeling of like, wow, if people believe in it, like we believe in it. Um, and so that was such a huge, hugely lovely feeling for not just me, but for, uh, definitely not just me, but for the rest of the people that are working on this for Goody Hudu, who's my, who's the, you know, the co-creator of this, of mm-hmm. this new, new series, Protesica Productions, who, you know, they were mm-hmm. the ones who helped us and we've gone every single step on the way, mm-hmm. on the way with, um, in terms of working on the story and working on this mm-hmm. new project. And so everybody was just so happy to see that this mm-hmm. story that everyone we believed in so much, yes. um, could reach so many people so quickly and that people were like, were felt like we did. And so that was just so wonderful to see. That's pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to circle around to regarding your creative team sure. and working with um, Tezuka Productions. So um, I'm, because I want to m- make sure this is asked, um, what is the story about in, for this Kickstarter? What is the story about? Sure. So this story is about, um, it's based on actually the, a, the a story from the original manga, the mm-hmm. original book um, called uh, The Cat and the Broomstick. Mm-hmm. And uh, that story is about, um, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit complex and so we'll get into the, the, the minor, the, the, you know, the granular points of it. Um, but it's essentially about Unico befriending a, um, a young cat Mm -hmm. uh, and a cat who ends up being kind of thrown out of her home. And uh, 
you know, the cat ends up wanting to become a human, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, to leave her felineness behind. Mm-hmm. And it's up, um, and to the, together they end up, um, you know, forming a relationship with a, uh, with an older woman. Mm-hmm. And um, Unigo ends up granting this uh, cat um, uh, the power to change into a human for a limited amount of time each day. Oh, okay. And, um, and then, but he's afraid that the more that she does so, the, that she doesn't actually, that becoming human actually might become um, more of a burden than not for her. And it might actually end up kind of hurting her mm-hmm. in a way that she might not be expected, might not expect. And lo and behold, a character uh, named Baron de Ghost, who is the, uh, the, uh, this kind of sadistic hunter who, mm-hmm. who lives on the edge of the forest they're in. Um, ends up taking an interest in her, the human version of the cat mm-hmm. and ends up um, essentially, which which almost leads to her demise. So it's like, you know, and Unico has to help. Uh, so, um, and, and there's a lot of other aspects that come into it as well, but that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the basic gist of the story. And um, what we're doing with Unico Awakening is we're taking that story mm-hmm. and we're building on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Using that main arc, but then we also have a larger uh, arc going on in the background, mm-hmm, yeah. um, uh, where the West Wind, um, the yeah. protector, takes on a much larger role as she tries to figure out how to break his cycle of of, of forgetfulness um, by traveling to the edge of time and space. Mm-hmm. And so there's a uh, there's kind of a larger larger story going on in the background that we're that we're that we're pushing. Wow. Like I said, oh my, wow. <laughs> um, I'm going um, to um, I'm gonna ask, you know, um, um, what drew you to do this, the, re- the reimagining or retelling of this story? What, what was that, the, um, what was that, what was the, um, yeah, because like you said, the original story was um, the cat on the broomstick. What drew you to, for you guys to, you know, to do this for the Kickstarter? I, I hope you kind of get what I'm going at. Sure. Like, well, like, kind of like the, like the reason why we kind of picked, the, kind of the reason why we picked the Unico in general, or just the reason why we picked the cat and the broomstick? The cat and the broomstick. The story. So, okay. So, yeah, I think that, um, so there are a lot of really wonderful stories in the, in, in the original books. Um, but I did feel like the cat, on the, in the broomstick was the, the story that would um, serve as a really good modern introduction mm-hmm. to the character and to the character's um, into the character's kind of uh, uh, you know situation and, yeah. and 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 also it could build into a larger mythos of, of the in the Unigo world. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of really wonderful and also the themes that come out of that story. There's some really wonderful themes that Tessica plays with in that story about you know, kind of the, the dangers of appearances and, and kind of the, and kind of like leaving behind one's identity mm-hmm. and, um, and the destructiveness of envy and, and all these different things that are really powerful themes that really draw me to that, to that chapter. Yes. Um, you know, and so it, it's, I think that in particular, those are really heavily on display there. And I think that, um, that's why it would make such a good introduction to our the new Unico. Samuel, I'm sorry, I'm not. I it's just 
that is pretty deep. I mean, it's like that's a great story to pick, and I'm, oh, it, it, that's what you were telling me. It's like, holy cow! I didn't realize it was it, that Tetsuko when he wrote it. He really he made it really deep. Yeah, he he really did. So that's one of the things about Tezuka is like I think that. Um, for, and that's why sometimes it's easy, it's harder to sometimes bring his stuff to the forefront, I think, yeah. in a modern way, because he, a lot of his stuff was really deeply emotional and like, and had a lot of heavy themes in there and, yes. and they, and, and, you know, on, on display. And, you know, I think that um, Unico in particular is so deserving of a modern retelling yes. to bring to a new age of, of readers because I think it just has such incredible themes to be found inside. And it's just an important story. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry, Simon. I'm going to continue on. So, um, no how did you team up with um, artist um, Goody Hiru for this project? Right. So, Goody Hiru was introduced to me um, after we kind of finalized the project. Goody Hiru, that we're going to do the project. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, uh, manga aficionado friend of mine, uh, I mentioned her name earlier, Deb Aoki, mm-hmm. introduced me to um, uh, a person named, uh, a friend of mine now, a um, good friend of mine named uh, Aki Inagi, who lives in uh, Tokyo, and he interfaced, he basically represents Gurihiru and a bunch of other Japanese artists who are working cross cross nationally, who are working mm-hmm. in the United States and in Japan both, and kind of doing a lot of different work. And... Um, and we were discussing like, you know, that this project that we wanted to work on a new Unigo, mm-hmm. and we started looking at, you know, through kind of looking and talking about some of the artists that Rocky represents. And we both kind of decided pretty quickly that Gurihiru would just be so perfect for this mm-hmm. So then we had to go and see if they would felt the same way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, we were like, oh my God, Gurihiru would be perfect. And the reason I said this because, I, and I've said this before, um, on a, to a few different people, but I do feel like um, that Gurihiru's style mm-hmm. um, is uniquely able to both appeal to both manga and yes. uh, American comics. It's really, really on that line. You can look at it and you can be mm-hmm. like, wait, it's very much like Japanese comics. Wait, it's very much like American comics and you really can't, it's like you can't like land on one side of the aisle, right? Yes. Um, and it's very unique that way. I, don't, I haven't seen anybody else who can do it quite like that. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, 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 yeah, so it's like, it's basically, so that, that was that was why I, I was trying to say, and also their arts just, they're phenomenally talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenally talented. They're, they're a pair from Saitama, uh, mm-hmm. Japan. They're a pair of, uh, they're two women from uh, Saitama, Japan. They're incredible, incredibly talented. And yeah, they have that unique ability. So, we went and talked to them about it mm-hmm. and we talked about them about it with them for uh, for a few months it wasn't mm-hmm. an addition, it wasn't a, a uh, you know turnkey process we talked to them they wanted to think about it we had talked to them about the story what it was mm-hmm. going to be. and then finally like and i was completely you know floored to hear it they they said yes and uh we started to work on the project together um and with of course Tezuka Productions, that was a. Uh, mm-hmm. We also we were we, so Gurihiro and I. We started to put together, you know, uh, put together a story. We started mm-hmm. to work together with Gurihiro to get character designs. We got some editorial help from Debayoki, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually we gave a story to uh, Tezuka Productions and started to give them um, character designs and things like that and go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. It's been, work for, it's been in the works for a while. It's been about about over a year for almost two years. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to, I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of ask one question I forgot to ask earlier. Um, 
how did you come up with this Kickstarter campaign? Was it you that reached out to um, um, Tezuka, um, Tezuka Productions or did they approach you? How did? That was wildly enough my idea. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, oh, I, yes. was, I, 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 I was thinking about like, what would be the best way to bring Unico, a new Unico to the world. And there were a lot of different ideas. Like, should we take it to a traditional publisher, which we probably could have or mm-hmm. uh, so that, but the, I think that the way that the reason that this ended up working so well is in the model of a Kickstarter is that we could bring together a lot of different artists to have them kind of to yes. almost like celebrate the character. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, you know, one of the things that we saw when we started talking to other artists about um, and started, you know, propositioning them to work to do a print for Unigo mm-hmm. is that everybody was incredibly excited about it. Um, there was just incredible excitement, like, really? You guys are mm-hmm. you're doing this? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, we would love to, yeah, I'd love to contribute a print. And like, Peach Momoko ended up saying, can I, can, the reason we have three, she's, she was like, can I contribute three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to draw more. Like, I love yeah. I grew up with Unico. I love this character. And so that allowed it to be kind of like um, take on, I think that, that that was the, we could only do this through a Kickstarter. Yes. Right? That mm-hmm. only, you know, yes, we could have tried to, we could have put it through a more traditional, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, process and done it that way, but that wouldn't have allowed us to get the, um, the to, to have like this kind of real community kind of celebration yes. of, the, of the character, which I think has been really cool to see. And then, um let's see because um because you have and i'm just gonna name name just a handful of um, people that's doing some prints for the um kickstarter sure yeah is um junko um mizuno yeah <clears throat> excuse me su lee mm-hmm. and then of course academy award nominated animator tom moore to mm-hmm. the prince now how did you how did you get them involved? Did you shout out an email? Was it word of mouth? Um, get, one morning you wake up and it's like you got 25 emails from, hey, I want to do something. <laughs> we, well, so it, it, it was it was a real um, group effort. So on my side, I asked, um, I asked uh, some artists like uh, Katie Longway, who I've known for a very long time, who I'm a big fan of her work. Uh, Juko Mizuno was a connect through a friend of mine who I ended up um, asking about. I, I would, would email everybody directly or contact them directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she ended up being really excited to do both a print and have the print be used also in kind of a t-shirt form. Um, and then we, uh, Sue Lee, and uh, the same for Sue Lee, and the same for... Um, Tom Moore, who I had mm-hmm. met through working on the Wolfwalkers adaptation. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I reached out to him and asked him about it. And he was gracious enough to say, I would love to work on this. Mm-hmm. And then on the, uh, on, and then um, Aki, who uh, works as a, who's Gudihito's representative, ended up working in, in, with Gudihito to actually mm-hmm. ask for certain artists. So Gudihito was friends with, um, knows uh, some of the other artists um, in that in that sphere. And so we reached out to all of them and mm-hmm. Aki reached out to some of them and then they agreed to sign on as well. Um, so it was kind of like a, but yeah, it was actually kind of shocking about how, with how there was very little resistance. It was just mm-hmm. like, people were just like super excited to work on this character. They were just like, I cannot wait. I would absolutely love to. And so we didn't have any, but he was like, eh. everybody was yeah. like, yes, yeah. I'd love to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, so it actually came together quite quickly in that regard. That's yeah. so cool. Which was really wonderful to see. It was so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, 
I'm just going to go ask you a couple little technical questions, such as, sure. um, because like I mentioned to, um, you know, the listeners that, you know, mangas are normally in black and white. This is going to be the dumb question. Is this going to be in black and white? It will not. And actually, um, this, and speaking of, um, of Unico in particular, Unico is an interesting book because the original uh, book was made in full color. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so it was actually larger in format and uh -huh. color, and it was actually the colors I believe were done by Sanrio, uh -huh. and so the actual the original Unico is a full color book, and so that's why we're actually making this a full color book. And oh, yeah. Unico in particular is fantastic with color, mm -hmm. and so it really honors that kind of vision and kind of really touches back upon it homages that in a big mm -hmm. way. So we're actually doing it very, very, very purposely in full color. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, it's it's very different for, it kind of stands out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Actually, if you want, I know this one, uh, this is a, uh, this is an audio medium, but here are the actual original um, Unigo books. You can oh, see. Oh my God. Yes, I can see. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah, they're all full color. Wow. That is, yeah. No, yeah. And so they're also, as you can see, they're a little bit bigger. Yes, manga. It's a little larger. Yeah, it's probably you know it's actually it's a probably more. I close the, the the length on this is probably um, it's about ten inches by mm -hmm. by uh, seven inches. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit bigger than your traditional manga, and it's good, yeah. you know. So they're and they're really lovely, but yeah. So we're trying to kind of honor that that vision by trying to kind of redo the books um, to do yeah. the books in color. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, because when I saw the um, Kickstarter page, um, you're going to provide a Japanese language version and an English version, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. We, we have a, um, we'll announce it soon. We have a really great translator on board to that's, that's done some really wonderful international translations for um, a lot of different books. Uh, we're going to do full Japanese translation, full English translation, and you can opt for it. At mm -hmm. the end of the campaign, we will send a survey to mm -hmm. uh, uh, ask people which one they want. That is so cool. That is really nice. Yeah, or you can add them as add-ons if you want to as well, if you want to do an additional one. But that's, yeah, so we're doing both languages. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Sammy, I'm slowly wrapping the interview up. Um, I'm going to say if someone misses this campaign, let's say, I, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic, but let's say someone listens to this interview in July and go, oh, shoot, I, I want to, you know, is, will it be available on those Kickstarter backer kits to buy the book? Hey, so this is actually, so, so I'll be completely honest, my first Kickstarter, so I'm still learning a lot, but I believe so. Okay. Yes, we will figure out a way, you'll figure, we will figure out a way to make sure that Unico is available in the future to many people. And it's, it's going to be thanks to the people who do mm -hmm. um, help us realize this vision. So mm -hmm. we'll figure out ways for the whole, for anybody who wants to, to be able to get a hand. Their hands okay. okay. All right. And then, um, now, as I, as I mentioned in the beginning that, you know, the campaign, the campaign is a huge success, you know, again, 24 hours fully funded. Mm -hmm. Is there another Unigo campaign on the drawing board right now? I cannot speak to anything. Uh, I cannot, all, all I can say about all future plans right now is that I'm not allowed to speak about anything. Okay. <laughs> all right. That, <laughs> that's that's awesome. fine. That's that not, I love to talk, but I cannot talk. Yeah, so. yeah that's fine. <laughs> yes. That's fine. 
and I'm I'm just joking. I am just joking because I see your movie poster behind you. Because if you mention a word, the samurai, the Shogun Assassins will come after you. Correct? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be like the ring where that samurai, that Shogun Assassin is gonna come out of the movie poster. Oh, right out. And yeah. Back into the back into the poster with with yeah. <laughs> That would, that would actually, if you do record that, please put that, please, please put that recording on, <laughs> on, on somewhere on, you know, on the internet so people can see it, because that would be amazing. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, but no, so we, we will, we will, uh, the short answer is uh, more to come. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't miss that opportunity of just making fun of that. Oh part. yeah, no, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely perfect. Off the cuff question. I know I'm trying to wrap this up, but off the cuff question. So, yeah. is that one of your favorite movies? The Shogun I, Assassin. Yeah, Shogun Assassin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. And like, um, and also, I just love. I have the I have the I have the vinyl. Uh -huh. right? And so that's where the um the poster came was came with the vinyl, and I just love that poster. It's a full color poster. It's really lovely, mm -hmm. and it's like um yeah, it's, it's a great film. I mean, it's ridiculous in its own ways, but oh, I love yeah. those movies. I love those films so much that are mm -hmm. just you know over the top. So. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So, sorry, I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, in um, when I looked on your website, in your um, in your biography, it stressed that you are a coffee addict. Yes. Where was the best coffee that you ever had? Best coffee that I ever had. That is a very good question. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. When I recently, when I was in Tokyo, I went to this place called the Edinburgh mm -hmm. uh, Cafe, uh, in I think it's in Shinjuku, and um, they had I had their oh what was it called? It was their premium blend coffee, mm -hmm. and um, I was like I'm just going to go all out. It was like eight dollars. I'm like yeah, okay, premium blend coffee, um, and they brought me out. They brought this percolator out to the table, and they did this whole entire kind of uh, they made this whole um, you know kind of machination of it. And I was I was watching. It was very beautifully done, and that was that's the best coffee that I can remember having in a mm -hmm. long time. So I was so delighted by how smooth and 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 yet flavorful it was. Um, mm -hmm. I was like I would could totally come by here and get another premium blend coffee and yeah. um, and spend another you know give, I don't care if it's I don't care how much it is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, so it was absolutely beautiful. Um, so yeah, that was probably the most. Um, it was at, at the Cafe Edinburgh in uh, in, uh, in in Tokyo in Shinjuku. That's pretty cool. Okay, um, what is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working either in comics or or just writing in general? What's the most? What's the most? What, what I like most about it? Yeah, yeah, fun or exciting thing. But either writing in comics or just writing in general. Uh, the most fun, that's a great question. The most fun and exciting thing about writing in comics, writing in general, I think it's, for me, it's actually that moment where I finish a section of something. It doesn't have to be the end of the book, but it has to be like a section of something where I look back and I think, this worked. Mm -hmm. And um, it's to go back and to look at it and to read back over it and to see that it came together in some, somewhat in the way that I hoped it would. And that, that's, that's taken me a while to get to that point where I start, I'm starting to feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, before I'd be like, it's not there, it's not quite mm -hmm. there. But now it becomes a little bit easier. And, and when I have that feeling like I've, um, I've really 
figured out what I wanted to accomplish for something. Mm -hmm. Very good feeling. Very excited to me. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's 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 so the maybe just the idea of kind of wrapping something up. That's really nice. That's nice. Thank you. Um, favorite convention moment. It can be either at a from an anime convention or Comic Con. So favorite whether convention. you went as a fan or as a you know creator. Yeah. Um, I would say favorite convention moment was probably going to C2E2. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to think, let me make sure that I have this right moment because, oh, you know what? I'm not even gonna say that. My favorite conventions mm -hmm. um, in general are zine, are zine conventions. I love zine fests. So it's like, you know, zine fest, zines. So like, you know, like, um, homemade comics oh okay like you know like kind of like mini comics and stuff like that they're yeah. kind of like small press comics and mm -hmm. so there's this one in um the bay area called uh zine fest oh okay. that, I go, that i go to well during when when, when there was not pre-pandemic yeah you go down in there to see everybody kind of like putting together things that you would never be able to get anywhere else mm -hmm. and, yeah. um and so for me, it was going to uh, one of those festivals for the first time, or when it used to be in the Bay Area, we had um, Ape, which is the Alternative Press Expo when it used to be in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And you get to see all these people who are um, just genuinely like working to create something that is their their own thing they're putting forward. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to find it. It's a lot of you won't be able to find it at a publisher. You won't be able to find it at a bookshelf. Yeah. And that to me was just the coolest experience to be able to find things that people just made because they they really felt passionate about them. Mm -hmm. and you get to come home with this 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 you know the, 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 this art that you get to go you know just look at and read and 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 just think about how creative people can be. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. Um, have you and your family been to Hawaii? My, I, I have been to Hawaii technically as a toddler, as a, or as an no. infant. I went to, I went to Hawaii. Um, my, my wife has gone to Hawaii and mm -hmm. loves it there. And um, uh, I'm not sure if we can put this on the show or we should, but this is just, 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 just pre, pre, precursoring this. But my wife, she's Filipino American. And when she went to Hawaii, she was like, she was like, oh, is this what it means to feel like to be white? <laughs> she was like, you know, because she was like, she was like, <laughs> she was like, you know, that was very, she's loved, she loved it. She loved okay. it. Yeah, she was making a joke. I don't I know. know. We, I don't think we can put that on the podcast. I was just going to tell you that, but my, my wife has been to Hawaii. She loves Hawaii. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and she was she she because she was like you know she's making a joke about how like in the in where she grew up like there's so many like she feels like kind of like a minority yeah and when she was able to go to Hawaii for the first time she's like oh I feel like I'm just like, everybody here is like me which is awesome I belong so, yeah <laughs> so, just like, she loved it she loved it um, and so she and so she yeah we definitely talked about going back many times okay uh, and I so I would love to go visit Hawaii I would okay. And she's, we, she's even said, like, I could live there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, so she, she, she loves it. Um, yeah, but it's, I would like to go and visit um, mm -hmm. and see for myself with, as a, as a non-infant. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. Now, um, do you have any closing words to our listeners? Um, just thank you so much for having me on this show and for this conversation. Um, and for anybody who's listening, um, 
just, you know, uh, I, I just, I, you know, I would just ask, like, if you could just take a look at Unico Awakening, um, please come and take a look at our campaign, watch the video. And if you're feeling so inclined, uh, please support our campaign and, um, and, and, and see, and, you know, get your hands on some of the really cool exclusive stuff that you probably won't be able to get elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you know, join us in supporting this wonderful project. And um, thank you so much for listening, for listening and, and reach out if you have any questions. I'm, you know, uh, write to me on my website, mm -hmm. you know, find me on Twitter, like mm -hmm. say hello, I'm, I'm around. Um, Samuel, I wish you continued success with the Unigo Awakening Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, and mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you for your time, for giving me the opportunity to interview. Thank you very much for your time. I, I know I told you about an hour. I know we're going 90 minutes now. But thank you for your time. Thank you very much. No, thank you. This has been really wonderful. Oh, thank you. And I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotion again. Th um, Hannah, again, thank you very much for setting up this interview. Um, thank you, Hannah. Um, now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Unico Awakening Kickstarter that is going on right now. And if you know any of your family or friends who love manga, you know, um, you know, please let them know about this campaign. Again, the campaign is currently running right now, and it's going to end on June 2nd. And Samuel, again, correct me if I'm wrong. June 2nd is when the... That is, that is what it ends. Yes, correct. You were correct. Yes. Thank you. And then I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit. Drew, thank you very much for putting this episode together. Thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. RLCS is Cowabunga Comics out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and their mail order company, Deep Discount Comics. Um, and we went there, and, and we were actually invoice number 0001. We are the we were the very first <laughs> their very first customer, um, which was kind of cool. They've been nothing short of fantastic customer service wise. Discounts they were very close, if not the same or better than DCBS on a lot of things, um, mm -hmm. over and above uh, customer service-wise, always taking care of us, going the extra mile, so responsive, getting instantaneous uh, responses back to uh, questions about things and to the point where knowing the stuff you like and anticipating your needs and having it suggested to, that you might want to add this to your order already before you even have to think about about it that's kind of cool really quality experience so we we love working with Calabunga and deep discount and that's why they're in our show notes every single episode and have been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes mm -hmm. that we leave them there because we like them they're cool good people that's why they're in there by god They'd tell you to if you've got a local comic book shop that you love, stay with them because every, everybody needs to support their local comic shops. But if you're looking, check them out. You can check them out in, in the show notes. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of them. Either get on their list just so you can check and see what kind of FOC and pre-order stuff they have and the discounts, and they'll send it to you. 
um, each month, get you on that email list. And you can check out their shop because they have a great shop of exclusive Cowabunga mm-hmm. variants. Amazing stuff. Yes, they've always been there for us and we take them for granted. So there you go. Now you, now you know. <laughs>